Hello and welcome to Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world dedicated to celebrating films where helicopters explode. For too long, this cinematic art has remained undocumented, unresearched and unappreciated. So on each show, we take a look at a different film to appraise the merits of the chopper-farble action. With the aim of eulogising or criticising, celebrating or castigating the exploding helicopters we see in them. My name is Will and I'm your host and today we're heading deep into the uncharted territory of low-budget filmmaking to take a look at the cult 1997 film DNA, a film which bears more than a passing resemblance to Predator, Alien, Jurassic Park, not to mention a host of other classic films. To help me with that I'm joined by Fred Anderson from the Schmollywood Babylon website and the Human Centipod podcast. Welcome to the show Fred. Thank you, thank you. It's, a, it's a great to hear your voice finally after all these years on, on, on the net. Do you want to take a minute, Fred, to sort of tell the listeners about uh, your website and podcast? Well, I, you know, I've been blogging for more than 10 years and I've been, I've been changing names like three times or four times. First it was Fredzilla, then it was Ninja Dixon, and for a short while I called myself Ex-Ninja because I, I, I closed down the Ninja Dixon blog. But nowadays I am Schmollywood Babylon. I have a blog, uh, and I have a YouTube channel, and I have Instagram, and on Twitter I'm still Ninja Dixon, by the way. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, I love writing and, and talking about movies that the few other people mention. You know, I love to dive into really odd low-budget movies or, or exotic movies from from India or Asia or everywhere. You take a look at films from all different parts of the world on your on your blog. Uh, you're really sort of you're a real adventurous sort of movie consumer. Oh yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, recently, I watched this uh, Italian uh, disco musical about Jesus. Uh, for example, <laughs> you know, it's not out everywhere, but I managed to find it. Uh, quite funny, quite catchy disco songs. Uh, very weird movie. Very weird movie. It's called uh, White Pop Jesus. If you want to check it out. No exploding helicopters though. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I started to get, I started to get very excited there. But um, you brought me, you brought me back down to, uh, back down to earth. Um, but before we get stuck into uh, today's movie, have you seen anything lately in the world of film that's really grabbed your attention? I'm, I, I'm a freelancer, so right now I'm, I'm between projects. I'm just sitting home watching movies, and I'm, I think I'm closer to 300 movies only this year, 2015. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you go to sleep at all? No, I, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> well, anyway, so I, I, I try to see a lot of movies that I, I wouldn't see normally, you know. And I, I found a guy a couple of years ago called Vijayakant, and he's a Tamil politician and movie star from India, of course. Then. And he, he's, he's this shabby little guy with a really ugly moustache and... You know, bulging eyes. You know, he looks like a frog or something. <clears throat> yeah, but you know, but he's like the 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 Bruce Lee. Of, no, not but he's more like the Jackie Chan of of uh, uh, shabby Indian politicians. Uh, <laughs> you know, he fights his way through these movies and he kicks so much ass and destroys so much. And uh, recently, I saw a movie called Captain Prabhakaran. <laughs> Captain Prabhakaran. Uh, you, you see, it's complicated really cool stuff there's a long uh, great action sequence on a train i love train movies 
and uh, and there's some great action, great fighting, some very politically incorrect deaths, like always in Indian movies. And really, I, I think you and other people should check out, especially the, the Tamil part of Indian filmmaking, because the action is absurd. It's really absurd. It's like watching. Just just Google uh, uh, Vijayakant uh, on YouTube, you know, with the word fight, and you will find so much weird stuff. Is it something, um, is it like a recent film or is this from like uh, the 80s or the 70s or when, what sort of period are we talking I about I think here? this one is from like 91, 92. Uh, oh, okay. uh, but he's been making movies since the 80s, what I know, maybe, maybe the 70s. But, you know, for each year he gets a bit fatter, a bit more. <laughs> sorry, I'm not, I mean, I mean, I'm a shabby dude myself, so it's not, <laughs> nothing bad here. <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, he, he, he looks weird, weirder and weirder for each movie. <laughs> really, and the last movie he made beca- before he became politician was this uh, ripoff of Taken, you know, the Liam Neeson movie, where yeah. where where he's uh, gonna save his daughter in some uh, European town because we all know European towns are so dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah, but I haven't found that yet. But I'm searching. I'm searching. So he's a martial arts action star that then became a politician. Oh yeah, yeah, and and so it's a bit like I don't know, it's a bit like Jean Claude Van Damme becoming. A... <laughs> Like a government minister in Belgium or something. No, it's more like Steven Seagal becoming a... Uh, <laughs> oh, God, save us from that, please. <laughs> well, you should check it out. Well, I'll, uh, I'll definitely going to uh, investigate that on your uh, recommendation. I uh, saw a movie last night that was quite interesting, and I think it's one that you're aware of, Fred. So uh, I watched 1971 satanic biker cult movie called Werewolves on Wheels. And it's about this, uh, this kind of Hell's Angel, uh, biker gang, and they kind of, uh, they're just riding around the, the country, drinking beer, having sex, and they kind of, uh, rock up at this monastery where they just start binging on the, the free wine that the, that the monks give out there. But little do they know that these monks are, uh, are actually devil worshippers. <laughs> And uh, place a curse on uh, on uh, a couple of members of the group, and turn one of them into uh, werewolves. And the story then sort of plays out with uh, sort of members of the biker gangs kind of getting uh, slowly sort of dying off, uh, sort of one by one. Um, it's a pretty uh, it's a pre- it's a it's a pretty silly movie, but uh, I I enjoyed it. I particularly like the how the how the biker gang sort of despite the fact that. You know, different members of their gang are, are sort of slowly dying off. They just uh, let's just open another beer and <laughs> let's have sex again. <laughs> They're not too fast, really. But I, you know, I, I stayed away from this movie for such a long time because I I imagine it to be some um, you know Al Adamson style movie or or you know. But when I finally saw it, it was like three four years ago. I was surprised how good it actually was. I mean. We're talking, you know, the, the the visuals, the actual filmmaking is, it's a cheap movie, but it's, it's a professional cheap movie about, uh, you know, everything we love, you know, monks, uh, worship, devil worshippers and bikers. But now when you did your recap here, I, I, I need to see it again. Really, I will do it today. <laughs> I will watch it today. If I can find it, I will watch it today. Well, it was on. T- it was on uh, late night uh, TV here, mm. and I just thought, oh, let's. Uh, that sounds, you know, bikers, yeah. devil worshippers, werewolves. You know, that 
you know, as a pitch, that's perfect. I'm gonna, I'm sold. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as you say, like there's a lot of the, um, the the guy who made the film was um, somebody who'd kind of worked with Roger Corman for a long time, and so then this was him, sort of one of the few films that he directed. And yeah, it looks cheap, but it doesn't. It you know, it's obviously not made on a big budget, <laughs> but like some of the filmmaking, of, especially of like them riding the bikes, is really like they use these low angles, which are like really good, sort of very reminiscent of kind of like Mad Max and stuff. So yeah, it's um you know if you want a kind of uh, fun fun movie to just sort of switch your brain off to, then uh, Werewolves and Wheels is definitely a a good uh, a good fun watch. Yeah, I I agree on that. Watch it. Okay, so let's crack on with the subjects of this show, the 1997 action flick DNA. Somewhere deep within a forgotten jungle, beyond the borders of civilized man, a scientist with lots of vision has just lost his mind. I've spent my life creating useless formulas to make pharmaceutical companies rich. Now I'm standing on the edge of the greatest triumph of the 20th century. Meet the future, Mr. Eisenfeld. Now. What was that? Something's coming. Between a man and woman. So Westinger has reanimated an alien. An ungodly creature. I have harnessed the knowledge of an alien civilization. And the monster. They say God is dead. That created it. You think you're God? You are insane. Welcome to paradise! It's the final match. What is that? Of survival of the fittest. So this is the part where I have to summarise the plot, and uh, I'm going to enjoy this one, I think. So DNA features the martial arts star Mark Dacascos as a down-on-his-luck geneticist. He's recruited by the CIA to help hunt down a mad scientist played by Jürgen Prochnow. Prochnow, we learn, has been conducting sinister experiments deep in the jungle of Borneo. Best place, really, to conduct those types of experiments, I think. And it turns out he spent years hunting a rare beetle that he wants to genetically combine with the remains of a prehistoric alien, naturally enough, um, all with the aim of creating an unstoppable monster which he plans to sell to the highest bidder. It goes without saying that this plan goes terribly wrong, leaving Mark de Cascos as the only man who can save the world from this deadly beetle-alien hybrid. Um, Fred, I know uh, you're a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you describe it now, it sounds like some 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 twisted LSD dream or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, actually, this is, incredibly enough, actually the plot. But uh, Fred, I know you're a big fan of this film. Do you want to say a little bit about why you, you chose this film for us to talk about? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> mostly, okay, I, I, uh, first of all, I, I, I love alien ripoffs or predator ripoffs or, you know, I love ripoff movies. I, I think it's... Uh, so only that makes me a, a big fan of this movie. But it also has uh, probably one of the cheapest helicopter crashes, explosions ever made uh, towards the end of the movie, which I think makes it uh, a very important and valuable movie in the movie history. You won't hear any disagreement from me on uh, on that front. It's amazing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie is so... Like you said, it's inspired by so many other movies. They even have Samuel L. Jackson in it. Oh, it's not Samuel L. Jackson, but it's another guy who smokes cigarettes and sits in front of the computer and looks dressed, of course. It's such a mix of ideas, and it's shamelessly stealing stuff from, like you said, Jurassic Park, Predator, Alien, 
Vietnam movies. It, I mean, it even have a, a, a great has this action scene where they blow up these uh, jungle towers and stuff. It's like from a Vietnam movie. Yeah, well, I thought that, um, like, along with the other films that you've mentioned, I thought that also you could say that it rips off Apocalypse Now a bit in the sense that, you know, they're going up, up a river, um, in order oh, to yeah. find the, the, you know, the madman who's gone kind of insane in the jungle. So, you know, it, I think Apocalypse, you could throw Apocalypse Now into that sort of mix of films. It's, uh, shamelessly ripping off. Oh, I, I haven't thought about that, but that's true. That's very true. That makes it my, my second favorite Apocalypse Now ripoff. The other one is, of course, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, if you've seen it. I think it's a masterpiece. Yes, I have seen that. And it is, um, it's a film I need to, uh, it's a, a film I need to see again. Oh, yeah. Um, it is. It's um, surprisingly good. Um, who's um, it's uh, John Hyams, isn't it? He's yeah. the director of that, and he's um, he's a really good uh, sort of DTV sort of low budget action director. And uh, I kind of wonder if he'll ever get to sort of move out of uh, move up into sort of bigger budget films or not. I think he's stuck there, but it's fine for me, really. You know, I like him anyway. The the guys who made the, uh, this movie, I, I've been doing some little research. It's some visual effects guys, William Misa and Nick Davis. Uh, so, of course, it feels like most of the movie is made just to show stuff, special effects. Am I right? Yeah, um, it, um, it definitely feels like, um, because he's, he's, like William Misa, he's, he's worked on a lot of, um, a lot of movies, mostly doing special effects. He's worked on some big, big films like The Fugitive or, uh, The Last Samurai and Deep Blue Sea. And yeah, he seems to be sort of doing a bit of everything in terms of, uh, the special effects mm. in this film. There's like computer generated stuff. There's, there's like some practical effects. Um, and then there's some really huge, like old school, fireball like massive explosions which look to me like they they've actually like blown up like hundreds of liters of petrol they're not see this isn't a cgi fireball there's some really big like huge massive fireballs in this film yeah it's great it's actually one of my favorite fireballs ever uh, <laughs> no I, you know when i saw it this morning again I, I thought this is it this is the ultimate huge fireball you know it's so big it's so absurdly big and you you see some some poor actors running in the foreground. You know, it it, it looks dangerous. Uh, it's I, it feels it's not bigger than the one in Apocalypse Now, but it feels bigger because so mm. much stuff is getting destroyed, not just trees. We should probably just sort of um, pick our way a bit through the sort of the the plot mm. of this film, and um, perhaps we can um, sort of also sort of pick out the the elements of the different films that DNA um, sort of rips off. So the film kind of starts with. Jürgen Prochnow and uh, Mark de Cascos, um, sort of a few years, um, a few years earlier, kind of hunting this um, this uh, serum beetle oh, that they yeah. have to that they have to synthesize in order to kind of. Uh, well, Mark de Cascos has been sort of tricked into this. He thinks he's trying to. He thinks he's out there finding the cure for cancer. He doesn't realize <laughs> it's all part of Prochnow's evil scheme. Everyone seems to be idiots in, mo in this movie. Really, really. I mean, of course you have Mark Dacascos, because he's a hero. You can understand him. He needs to, to have good faith in people. But then you have this Samuel L. Jackson guy, older lookalike, who at one point, when, you know, hell has bro broken loose, <laughs> suddenly realizes that they didn't do this for the best of, of mankind <laughs> to save millions of people. You know, it wasn't that, yeah, you know, you created a monster. Yeah. How, how would that help ma mankind? <laughs> so. uh, yeah, it's amazing how he had got so, that he'd got to this point without 
kind of realizing that this wasn't like about you know finding a cure for AIDS. <laughs> yeah. But the film sort of begins with this sort of Indiana Jones sort of rip off moment where they're in this cave and um there there's a they're they're looking for this rare beetle and there's these um sort of local tribes people there who get freaked out by the superstition and then there's some cliched character who sort of tells the story of a massive curse <laughs> and uh then there's a big double cross and uh Procnow shoots de cascos and oh, yeah. um, you know it's just a really um i really liked the start of this film like the first 15 minutes really um like cover a lot of ground and um you're really into the film like really quickly this film doesn't hang about and um to really sort of gets you into the action really quickly and i think that, you know crucially that's needed in a in a film this silly yeah yeah it's a, it's a <clears throat> in that way it's a brilliant opening because it first like you said has this indiana Jones opening with this cave they're finding the beetle and then they go uh, to the point when they find this alien monster or whatever it is so you have two hooks in the beginning because you really want to see what's going to come out of this and of course no one is surprised that proknov is a bad guy but Still, you know, <laughs> you know, he's always playing bad guys. But, you know, it sets up the story so well. Then sort of the next part of the film is um, sort of Dacascos getting recruited by the sort of CIA to go and investigate Proc now. And that's the sort of, I guess, the sort of Apocalypse Now section of the film where they kind of take this canoe upriver to, to find sort of Proc now's secret base. With a child. And, uh, with a child, yes. I'm... S- not a hundred percent. I wasn't entirely clear why that child was along oh, the, on, along for the trip, but um, we know what the hell. It's probably um, probably better than staying around at home or something. But uh, well, uh, they needed a newt character, you know, newt from Aliens. Indeed, yes, because that's probably the next um, the next film which uh, DNA borrows from. So there's the uh, they arrive at the science base that Procnow has set set up in the uh, in the jungle where he's conducting these uh, these uh, secret experiments and uh, the monster, of course, can't be contained by the by the by the by the security systems that uh, they've set up there, and so it then starts hunting uh, uh, Mark the Cascos, Procnow, and the rest of the group around uh, around the kind of the base. And as you say, this child sort of falls into some sort of um, I don't know air conditioning system or something that's trapped down there with the monster and yeah it's very reminiscent of um the newt character in uh, in aliens and yeah there's uh, there's definitely um i think aliens and also this you know borrows a bit from the kind of the original alien movie uh, as well i don't know what you thought well i think it more reminds me of aliens or alien 3 by david fincher but mostly it it, it feels like oh I, I don't know really it's it's like uh it's like a perfect mix of all these uh, alien ripoffs, I think. You know, it's like they they set out to make an alien ripoff, at least this this uh, middle part of the movie. You have to sort of give credit to the ambition of these guys mm. because they most people would probably be content with just making a ripoff of one movie, where the you know where William Mises seems to want to just like squeeze in every every movie that he's ever seen, every movie that he really loves. He's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cram a bit of that into this. And I think that's what makes DNA so entertaining because you can you can feel that Mises and his and his uh, his crew, his actors really 
they think this is a maybe not an original idea, but it's a lot of fun. There's so much going on all the time. You know, I can I suspect every morning was you know a new special effects setups or a new monster fight or something. Yeah, and then um, then we get to the sort of the last part of the film, which is probably the most obvious ripoff of Predator I've possibly ever seen, whereby this this monster ha- which has uh, uh, heat vision, just like Predator. Um, it can cloak itself, just like uh, Predator. And uh, Mark Dacascos um, decides to sort of build some improvised traps out of the jungle, just like Predator. And um, yeah, it uh, it just it, it almost that bit is kind of thrown at the um, thrown at the viewer in 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 the very last ten minutes. It's a bit like um, they you know they just like oh my we've just got enough time to cram in another rip-off of another movie. Yeah, that's true. We'll, because, have, we'll have to do it quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it could have ended with a big explosion, actually. when when uh, Sorry, guys, spoilers here. When when Troknov is vaporized by the explosion, that, you know, probably the monster too. But then it starts over again with this, this like you said, the last ten minutes, which I, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a nice surprise. It's like a dessert, almost. <laughs> a really good, unhealthy dessert, of course, but... What, what? Yeah, it, uh, it has no nutritional value whatsoever. No, absolutely not. What strikes me the most, and I remember when I saw it the first time, I thought of it, and I, when I watched it this morning, I thought about it. They're making such a big deal of this uh, axe, you know, this ceremony. Yes. You know, they, they put poison on it, and there's uh, singing and dancing, uh, you know, and it's so important. And then when he throws it at the monster, it, you know, bounces off and... <laughs> shoots the monster so really it's i it's so they it, nothing makes any sense really in this movie it's just a, a lot of fun scenes obviously yeah and as, as you said there is a lot of silliness in this film um i don't know what your favorite stupid moment was in this film oh well I, I i i love the scene where this uh, computer technician's technician just <laughs> he's so disappointed it's not for saving mankind this monster you know i, I it's one of <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's you know it's absurd you know it is some great gore but the main reason for why i'm watching this movie over and over again is the finale the helicopter crash really it's 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 one of those legends you know you 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 want people to watch this movie just because of that moment let's not spoil things oh. yet uh, we'll be we'll be coming on to that <laughs> so we'll be coming on to that soon but there is a lot of silliness in this film and i was making a few notes and um i really enjoyed the cia agent's um lu- uh, basically her luggage because it has cia luggage tags on which um i mean you know if you're a secret agent why wouldn't you um put luggage tags on saying cia on your on your luggage so you, you can travel <laughs> incognito um she also then, um, before heading into the jungle, um, you know, Mark Dacascos is asking her, you know, if she's sort of ready and prepared for this. And she says that she's logged 44 hours of simulated <laughs> jungle time. Yes. Which... What is that? Really? <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. Um, I would like to I... experience it myself though. Not for 44 hours though. <laughs> Maybe 44 minutes, but um, yeah, not 44 hours. For me, it seems like she's been playing, you know, Far Cry or another game, you know, for 44 hours. <laughs> I don't, you know, I can't find another answer to it. And there are some very, um, the guy that you're, uh, that you were talking about, the uh, kind of Procnow's assistant who, um, who bizarrely 
you know, despite recreating a prehistoric alien, still believes he's about to save mankind. Um, he has some very good, um, uh, very good computing scenes where he's like frantically sort of typing to disengage kind of these locks that are on the, on the door. And, um, I, I, you know, generally like those kind of computer scenes are quite boring, but here they're just done so, like, so <laughs> daft, so stupid that they're, they're actually quite sort of, uh, they're actually quite entertaining. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I agree. And I, I... I would like them to do a spin-off only with his character in a way. He can, you know, go around <laughs> doing his computer stuff and be surprised. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe we could put him in like different scenarios hmm? whereby, um, he doesn't realize sort of, you know, what's happening. So like maybe, maybe he's kind of thrown back into the sort of, uh, the second world war or something. And he doesn't really, <laughs> he doesn't realize, doesn't realize the Nazis are, are actually sort of <laughs> bad people up to, up to terrible things. And he's like, he gets through to sort of like the oh. end of the war. It's like, Oh, what? <laughs> oh. You're killing, you're, this, this isn't about kind of creating a, wonderful utopia for everyone to live in oh my god <laughs> so i think i think we could definitely have um have a spin-off with him right. putting in different scenarios where you know he just doesn't realize what's happening until kind of the very last moment <laughs> that's a great idea really you know we have to sell it i love it <laughs> <laughs> but um i know um, fred i know you're a massive horror fan so um how did you rate the the gore and the scares in dna it could have been more gore actually it has a couple of, of gore scenes there's a you know one of these classics when the monster comes out from the from behind someone and you know pushes his claw through him you know it's fun and bloody but you know they could have spiced it up a little bit more i think you know some more maybe some more people ripped apart or something you know you know this monster do a lot of stuff like that i guess but except that you know i think it works really well you know i'm I'm not scared, of course, and I haven't been scared for movies for so many years now. But but uh, I, I guess for uh, 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 some 11 year old who's just seen this movie for the first time, I think it could be pretty scary, or at least intense, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think you'd need to be. Yeah, if you've watched a lot of films, then this is not going to uh, to really uh, scare you. But yeah, if you're uh, if you're uh, far too young for this film, then um, it could definitely uh, provide you with a with a few scares. And as you say, that scene where um, he the 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 monster sticks his arm through the chest of that guy in the in the lab. That's um, that's probably one of the sort of uh, sort of best moments, mm. sort of strongest sort of moments in the film. It really reminded me of. Um, Alien or aliens, and in that that particular scene, and uh, I I think Jurgen Prock now is in that scene as well. He's um he just sort of uh, sees what's going to happen and just sort of slinks away in that sort of really slimy way. Uh, that that made, that added to that particular that scene as well. I thought, but it's quite also this effect when this uh, this kid is is down in the tunnels below them, and they need to get him up. It's also quite effective little scene. A little bit cheesy, like always, but, you know, it, it works, I think. I like how they got him down into those tunnels. So he does, um, as, you, as we were sort of saying earlier, you know, this is a, this is a film where people do stupid things. <laughs> and he, he, he just sort of idiotically walks backwards into a massive <laughs> hole. <laughs> yeah, why It's not? like we can't think of any other way to get him down there. Just just do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a movie who uses simple solutions, you know, to bring the story forward. I guess if I if I saw it now again, you know, a couple of hours later, I would probably notice these things in every scene. You know, there's there's no problems. The 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 story just moves forward. It won't be any problems at all. It just happens. It's fun. 
So DNA stars, um, I think I'm right in saying a couple of uh, DTV favourites of yours. Mm. Um, how do you how do you think Mark Dacascos and sort of Jurgen Prochnow um, fared in in this film? Prochnow almost delivers. You know, he's 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 a he's a very good actor, but he's a he's a guy who have a tendency to you know kind of sleep his way through a lot of parts. You know, he he do his bad guy routine, and he's doing that here. It's a typical Prochnow bad guy, but I think he's uh, you know I've seen much you know what much worse performances from him in in other movies. I almost said I like him in this movie. I don't like him because he's the bad guy and he's slimy and evil. But but he he's enough slimy and evil to make me react when they do something evil you know it's you, under, you understand what i mean yeah because he's really um you want your bad guys to enjoy being a bad guy mm. i think i think that's the key thing and 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 proc now seems to be like really sort of uh enjoying um his uh insanity and uh he has some great he has some fantastic dialogue in this in this film i could really i love his voice i could listen to him <laughs> basically talk all day and he says things like, I have created a scientific miracle. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have harnessed the power of an alien civilization. Uh, well, I, Together, <laughs> we will make history. I, I also like that, you know, when they find the beetle in the beginning, he, he just, <laughs> you know, he kills people. You know, he, 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 I guess he don't have to do that, really. You know, he could just take this beetle and, you know, run away. But now he's killing them and blowing the, you know, cave apart. That's evil. That's very evil. He's definitely bonkers, yeah. and uh, he definitely is enjoying being bonkers. You kind of, as I say, coming back to that other character, you just sort of think, how could you spend so much time with with Jurgen Prock now and not realise like <laughs> yeah. he's up to no good? He, he's, you know, he's gone off the deep end. Yeah, how, how can he trust him? You know, well, he kind of uh, wraps marks around this little finger very, very quickly in this uh, in the office at the hospital. You know, he's. And Mark says, well, I, I guess I owe you one or something like this. And then, you know, his, there's no critical thinking at all from good Mark, really. <laughs> what, what did you call him? He's uh, out down on his luck. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> but but Mark, on the other hand, I always like Mark Dacascos. I think he's done some terribly, terribly boring movies, really. <laughs> but he's made also a couple of great ones. I, I am a big fan of Drive, if you've seen that one. I think it's... Uh, fantastic martial arts movie i've i have not seen it oh you but... have to see it then it's an order almost uh, okay <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no it's, it's great it's very very uh, hong kong 80s fights it's amazing stunts in it the first fight is so so but the rest is amazing and that one and dna are my favorite mark Cassis movies and i think he's, he's fine in it I, I met him last year which for me was a, a, a great deal. You know, it's important. You know, he's a, he's a, he's been with me since I was a teenager. And when I showed him DNA, he was like started to laugh a little bit. <laughs> and he looked a bit embarrassed. And, and then he said, I, I, I'm the first one ever who asked him to sign a copy of DNA. <laughs> And I, what a what a what a privilege for you yeah. that you were the fir- very first. Yeah, that's I felt fine about it. It was great. I I told him I really liked it. I think it's an extremely enjoyable movie. A little bit cheesy, and he agreed on that. But he also said they had problems with money. They what I understood, they ran out of money a little bit. So yeah. they had, so they had to do it. You know, they had to do the best the best they could with the little money they had uh, at the end. 
let's hope that um, with uh, with this podcast we can sort of get this film a bit more attention and uh, hopefully more people will be asking uh, uh, Mark the Cascos to sign their copy of uh, DNA. But um, uh, people are probably going to be sort of looking at this film and thinking, oh, this is a, a low-budget rip-off. Um, what would you say to them um, about why they should watch it? Well, if if you're bored, you should watch it because you're not going to be bored afterwards. Uh, it's you know it's simple as that. It's, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend it's high art or or something you know it's important or something that will change your life. But if you want good, decent entertainment with some gore and lots of explosions, this is it. I'd second uh, what you said wholeheartedly. So um, I think we better move to uh, to talking about the reason uh, we're the reason we're looking at this film today, and that's because um, it's got uh, some exploding uh, helicopter action in, and one of which is uh, a fantastic example of uh, exploding helicopters. The first one um, there's actually two in this film. The first one occurs at the scientific base when uh, Dacascos and the CIA agent played by Robin McKee are trying to escape and gun battle breaks out with Procknow's henchmen and uh, Robin uh, McKee fires some sort of rocket gun at uh, these barrels by a parked helicopter and the and the whole thing goes up in a, in a huge explosion which seems to sort of set off a chain reaction which ends up blowing up the, uh, the entire camp. Uh, Fred, what did you make of uh, this uh, helicopter uh, explosion? Well, it's, it's a pretty discreet explosion because I've forgotten until you mentioned it uh, the other day and uh, yeah it's a helicopter there also so I, I had to look a little bit more carefully at it today and I felt that it's a, it's a good one but it's not the main thing with the scene the helicopter is just you know it's just one of many other things going up it's cla- it's collateral damage in this scene isn't it yeah yeah I think so but it's still it's a it's a magnificent explosion really it's it's worth watching but it's still not I have a hard time saying it's an exploding helicopter scene because it's more an exploding, exploding secret camp scene. <laughs> you know, it's well. Uh, I'm always I'm always looking for sort of new spin-off blogs, so maybe I'll do. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll start a project called Exploding Secret Camp Movies. <laughs> you know, 100 years ago, I started my first YouTube uh, channel, which I don't think exists anymore. Do you know what the name of it was? It was Exploding Huts. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 my my idea was to upload scenes with exploding huts, you know, in all these jungle movies. Yeah, yeah. No, but no, nothing happened really. I think I uploaded. I think I uploaded this, the second uh, helicopter crash we're going to talk about. So let's not delay talking about that because it is a very special, uh, a very special scene. Um, Fred, do you want to? Um, I know you're really keen to talk about this. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to describe <laughs> this particular exploding helicopter sequence? Well, uh, uh, Mark and and uh, this uh, CIA agent, or what is, uh, is, is chased by helicopters, and I think it's like it's a couple, it's a couple of them, I guess. Really, I saw it this morning, but I don't remember. But I guess he shoots something at it. At the helicopter, <laughs> you see it, and the helicopter goes down. And when it goes down, it's not really a, a real helicopter. That's understandable, but it's like a stop motion helicopter. That's that's. Uh, <laughs> how to explain it in English? Really, I can't find the words for it. The sequence starts with a real helicopter, kind of like chasing after um, chasing after uh, Mark Dacascos, and then, as you say, it switches to this like 
what's clearly a miniature yeah. version, Quite pretending to be a real one. And then they shoot it. Then they shoot it down, and it, it crashes into the ground. And as you say, then then they move to what yeah looks like a kind of stop motion copter, <laughs> um, which rolls through the jungle, um, sort of after Mark Dacascos and uh, and the CIA agent, who have to sort of you know in classic fashion sort of run for their lives <laughs> and dive out of the way as the wreckage kind of goes. Um, flying over them um, and then obviously the wreckage then finally um, finally explodes and yeah it, the sequence is just yeah it's very unusual to sort of see sort of three different types of techniques like woven together to kind of create the sequence yeah and it it's it's, it's a it's a very surprising moment because you haven't seen any anything like this uh, so far in the movie and just at the end they throw this quite primitively animated the stop motion helicopter at you when I see it, I, I start to think about, uh, you know, Japanese monster movies or 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 fifties monster movies. Not 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 necessarily with stop motion, but there's a there's a primitive thing in the effect which I I like so much. And they really try to make it look big. They're trying to make it look like a big Hollywood blockbuster with the angles and you know, but it's still just a very, very primitive miniature helicopter rolling on the ground. Well I think you put your finger on on sort of exactly what is great about that sequence and also great about the whole film because as you say, like they're really it looks it does look does look a bit cheap and you can kind of see the joins between the different types of special effects but as you say they're they're trying they're trying to create an exciting scene and you know it's done with it's done with like love and care rather than just sort of you know bought you know like some filmmakers who just like bored and don't care Mm. and that's the whole thing about dna i think overall is that yes it's like very generic it's a bit cheesy it's a bit silly but they're just trying to make like a really entertaining film to like please you and you know get you excited and you know try and give you a few scares and you know because because it comes from a good place i think you have to you end up liking dna in a way which um you know are films which feel a bit more cynical or or like you know people don't care so much you you sort of end up feeling a bit sort of cheated or a bit sort of um hollow afterwards whereas dna just is a really fun fun experience yeah they 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 go all the way to to make it fun they could have like millions of other directors and filmmakers all over the world they could have just not cared at all they could just have taken the money and Marta Cascos and made something, you know, something quick, something fast. This is probably quick and fast also, but they went that extra mile to to do something with the special effects and the sequences, the set pieces uh, when the when the monster is chasing them in these corridors and the in the tunnels. You know, they they do it. It's a little bit extra all the time, and I think we can also put some of that energy from the Filipino crew. I mean, it's a it's a co-production between the United States and the Philippines and the Filipino filmmakers are by, you know, by birth crazy. They they do everything. (laughs) And I think it's it's great that uh, Mesa and his gang, you know, use these these, uh, amazing people to, you know, make the best explosions and probably it wouldn't surprise me if they did the stop motion sequence also there, but it's so much good energy in this movie. I definitely agree with you there. So um, I think that just about wraps things up for today's show. So it just remains for me to say uh, a big thank you to my guest, Fred. Um, do you want to remind people where they can find your website and podcast? Yeah, please visit me. Uh, just uh, Google Schmollywood Babylon or Ninja Dixon, and you will find me on Instagram and Twitter and, and the blog, everything. And of course, 
our podcast. We have a podcast too, actually, called The Human Centipod. And you can find that on, on iTunes and SoundCloud and whatever, uh, with me and Jason Meredith, who talks a lot in every episode. So, yeah, <laughs> you, you have to live with that. Yep, the, uh, I, lo- I love uh, The Human Centipod. It's still a very funny name for a podcast, <laughs> yes. if you ask me. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's, <laughs> you know, I, we're, we're proud of that name, really. Yeah. <laughs> So if you've enjoyed listening uh, to the show, then please check out the Exploding Helicopter website at explodinghelicopter.blogspot.com or you can find us on Twitter at Chopper Fireball. Uh, if you want to get in touch to suggest a film, then you can uh, email us at explodinghelicopter at, ho- at hotmail.com. Um, just want to say thanks to Tim for the music. We'll be back soon. And until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters.